Today we'll be looking at the last half of Romans chapter 15, and uh, I felt God move on my heart to entitle this, Now. Anybody ever seen those bumper stickers, Now, with a cross and a crown in it? Anybody ever see those? I asked somebody, I said, what does that mean? It means not of this world. Jesus said, in John chapter 19, verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world, but now my kingdom is not from here. The kingdom of heaven has come down and invaded the earth. Hallelujah. And we are no longer behind enemy lines. Can you say amen? The enemy is on the run. He's defeated. Jesus, the Bible says, he disarmed him on the cross and paraded him about as a defeated foe. And I love the description. I believe it's in Isaiah where it says they're going to look on him and they're going to say, is this the one that made the nations tremble? Him? Ha! Ah, that wimp! That's what the, the end of time and it's all over and said and done. They're going to say, this one? He did that? Made nations tremble. But thank God that Jesus is making nations bow their knee to him. Can you say amen? Praise God. N-O-W also stands for, and I want to thank my lovely wife for this inspiration, no other way. No other way. Praise God. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 and verse 42 Jesus prayed with all his might in the garden. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Obviously, there was no other way. And Acts chapter, and by the way, I always wondered, why did they call what Jesus went through the passion of the Christ? Passion. Didn't make much sense until I got my big fat college dictionary and looked up passion, and it comes from a Latin word meaning to sacrifice. I said, oh, duh! That's why they call it the passion. It's a sacrifice. Whatever people are passionate about, whatever they love, they will spend their time and their energy and their strength and their money on and their very lives, whatever they're passionate of, whatever they're committed to, whatever the, the people will sacrifice for stuff that they are really interested in. And thank God, really interested in us, even before we were born. Hallelujah, thank God. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only Jesus. Those bumper stickers that have that, uh, all the different uh, religious symbols, you know, why can't we just get along? Well, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God come in the flesh, and we all know that. And he's the one who died. Muhammad didn't die for your sins. Uh, Buddha didn't die for your sins. You know, Krishna didn't die for your sins. None of them said that they were God come down to earth. None of them fulfilled hundreds of years of old prophecies about themselves. These things were written Hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth. Praise God. And he fulfilled all of them, and there's still more to come. Praise God. So we are 
In chapter 15, verses 14 through 16, uh, Paul writes, he says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Let's stop right there for a second. Paul had never been to Rome, and he'd never met these people. But he was confident concerning them because they were brethren. Because he'd heard, hey, these, there's people over there in Rome that are saved. And also he says you have, he's confident that you're also full of goodness. How many know Christians are supposed to be good? <laughs> Can you say amen? We're supposed to be full of goodness. And he's, he's, he's saying, man, I'm confident. I believe. And I believe the King James, it says, I'm persuaded concerning you that you're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge. How do you get knowledge? You study. We're pretty simple. All knowledge, able to admonish one another. Now, this word admonish, let's see, where's, here it is. There's the laser beam, admonish. Let's laser beam in on that word admonish. It means, in Vine's expository dictionary, um, it means to warn about the things that are wrong based on instruction, literally, to put in mind. So that doesn't mean, he says here, that we're able to admonish one another. That doesn't mean we go around pointing out everybody's faults. I know in my own life, when uh, I see somebody displaying a fault that I have in my life, it bothers me uh, that they have that and makes me want to say something. But God has not appointed me to be the chief admonisher of everybody. So <laughs> what? you have to have relationship, first of all, with people, and you have to have permission, so to speak, to speak into people's lives. It's, it's not a, uh, it, it's actually, um, you have to be careful what you say to people. My mom always used to tell me, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Okay, mom. It's not what I say, it's how I say it. Okay, whatever, mom. How many of you have ever heard of that uh, phrase, momisms? Somebody wrote a book, a collection of momisms. Don't give me any ifs, ands, or buts. My mom had all kinds of sayings. We'd get too loud and we'd complain too much. She'd just reach over and go, click. <laughs> okay, mom. <laughs> mom said, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So, Warn yourself about warning others. Be careful what you say and how you say it. It's not necessarily our job to go around, like I said, pointing out everyone's faults. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says this, and we should take this personally. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's a big responsibility that we all have. And that's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to point out to us, hey, um, this isn't just quite right in your life here. You need to do something about that. Deal with that. And we should say, okay, God. As a matter of fact, next week's sermon, I believe God told me to make the title Obedience to the Faith, because it's a list of a lot of people who were obedient to the faith. So we're called to be obedient to God. And then he goes on, he says, Nevertheless, brethren, 
I've written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you, here, putting in your mind, because of the grace given to me by God. And this is the grace given to Paul by God, that I, that he is a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of the good news of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified, set apart, and made holy by the Holy Spirit. In a little note that somebody put in there while they were printing it, that he says the offering of the Gentiles, what they add in there is offering consisting of the Gentiles. In other words, we, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, a living offering to God, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable servant. In other words, obviously, the more you think about it, the more. Let me put it this way. How anyone cannot believe in Jesus is beyond me. There's no point to life, in my opinion, without Jesus. What? It's just a whole waste of time. You might as well. Why would you even, you know, make any effort to do anything if you're just going to die and then that's it? If Jesus really is who he says he is, and I believe he, and I believe most of you do, hopefully all of you do, we are going to stand before him someday. We're going to meet him. And see him face to face someday. This will all be over someday. Every so often, I work in construction and it's this uh, occupation. Uh, every so often, uh, I'll find myself in a position where um, if I'm not careful, I could get killed. And uh, I have life insurance, so my wife will be uh, taken care of. But I'm sure my wife would rather have me than my life insurance. But every so often I think about, you know, you don't know what today is going to bring. There's no guarantee that uh, you're going to stay on planet Earth for a longer time than you think, or a shorter time. Nobody knows. Driving down the freeway, you never know what's going to happen. We should all be ready. Any moment, I could go and slip into eternity and meet Jesus. I had a um, a copy of a, a book about the Old West, and I had it had uh, um, the front page of the tombstone epitaph the day after the shootout at the OK Corral, and I was just amazed by the headline. It said, Three men hurled into eternity in the duration of a moment. It only took a few seconds for everybody to get shot and killed. Three men hurled into eternity in the duration of a moment. And the subtitle was Yesterday's Tragedy. Not good riddance, glad we got rid of those outlaws. They called it Yesterday's Tragedy. And I, 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 this was many years ago when I saw that, and I, I showed it to my pastor, and he said, yeah, you know, most people don't realize, but there was revival in this country back then. There was, it just wasn't the old wild, wild west. The point is, we never know when we're going to go you might as well just be ready. So, second slide. Therefore, he says. Wherefore? Therefore. Why is it therefore? Because he's talking about the Gentiles and how God used him, a Jewish scholar he was. He studied, the Bible says, under Gamaliel, a great uh, teacher in Jerusalem. He was a rabbi, basically. Paul the Apostle was a 
well-educated, smart, learned individual. And he's saying the reason that he was smart and well-versed and all this is because God wanted to use him to reach the Gentiles. That was his ministry. And he says, I have, therefore, the Gentiles being saved, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus and the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient. Kind of like, wait, what? What did he say? He's not going to boast about things that God did not use him for. He's going to boast about things that God did use him for. Things that God used him to touch nations and to change the course and destiny of history itself. I love what they said about the, the Colosseum in Rome. Well, the Romans are gone. The Christians are still here. <laughs> All they have is this big empty uh, building. You know, the floor is gone and everything. Nothing that they're probably going to fall down someday. But the Christians are still here. And then he says, these are the things. Mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. I found it interesting in the first, uh, the previous verse, he calls them the Holy Spirit. Here he says it's the Spirit of God. Many years ago, I heard a, there was this, uh, you know, thought going through the Christian community. Oh, there's demonic strongholds and spirits here and there that we we need to pray against, you know, and they're really tough and and blah blah blah. And uh, this one pastor, in fact, it was Dr. Mike Petzer. He said. The only spirit that really matters is the Holy Spirit. I love what Paul says, Satan, that God shall surely crush Satan under your feet shortly. Amen. And so there was mighty signs and wonders. And the purpose of that was to make the Gentiles obedient. Obedient to the gospel, the good news that God has made a way for us to have a relationship with him, that our sins could be forgiven and removed. Mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem, where he started out, and round about to Illyricum, which is the northwest uh, border of Greece in those days, modern-day um, Macedonia and, uh, I wrote it down, Croatia, up in that region is where he went all the way. I have fully preached the gospel of Christ, the good news that the Messiah has come and fulfilled everything and it's paid in full. Hallelujah. Now, when he uses this word glory in verse 17, he's saying that he is boasting. Vine's Expository Dictionary says this denotes the act of boasting. But he's not boasting so much about himself, but he's boasting about what God has done. When you boast about, excuse me, what God has done. I loved it this morning when your little girl started praising God <laughs> out of the mouth of babes and infants. God has perfected praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Act of boasting, saying, you know what? God's done awesome things. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch in uh, northern in uh, Syria, where they had been sent out by the Holy Spirit. 
their first journey. And in 27 it says they gathered the church together and they reported, they boasted all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. There is Zlevent uh, um, uh, Ministries and their motto is to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. But Paul and Barnabas, being Jews, they went and they won a bunch of Gentiles. One of the things that happened is uh, that uh, in one town they went, there was a Jewish sorcerer, Elymas. He's, you know, big to-do guy, and, and he's withstanding and resisting the gospel. And Paul tells him, you know what? Since you're resisting God, you're going to be blind for a while. And lo and behold, the guy suddenly becomes blind. And everybody goes, whoa, these guys got something. We better pay attention. In chapter 13, verse 44, there's another city called Antioch in those days. It's in about the middle of Turkey. It says that uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas go there and they preach in the synagogue. And everyone uh, wants to know. And it says the next Excuse me, the next week and the next time they meet together. It, now this, to me, is mind-boggling and a miracle. It says almost the whole city came together to hear the Word of God. Wouldn't that be something if we set up a podium or something out here and we started preaching and we got a crowd one Sunday and the next Sunday almost all of Marana comes and fills our parking lot and blocks the street because they want to hear about the things of God. That would be something. Can you say amen? In Acts chapter 15, verse 12, they get back to Antioch in, in uh, Syria and, uh, and uh, they gather the church together, they're reporting. And in verse 12, it says, then all the multitude in the church, or no, actually, they went back to Jerusalem, sorry. They're in Jerusalem reporting about what had happened. And uh, they're having a Bible conference and all the pastors are there and Paul and Barnabas get up and say, hey, Check out what we did. We went to Germany. We went to Israel. We went here and there. We have people that we know personally today that are in Germany. I just read a report yesterday that uh, one of our former pastors and his wives, I'm so blessed to hear that they're still in the ministry. Don and Liz McPherson went to Germany. Brother Paul Neville preached because Pastor Don and Liz had been in Germany years and years ago and they left because things weren't working and they went back and they preached just recently. So they're having a Bible conference in Jerusalem and they're reporting because there was a controversy. Jews from Jerusalem got into Antioch and said, you know what? Everybody has to be circumcised in order to be saved. And the Gentiles are saying, you're going to do what to me? I don't think so. <laughs> no, 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 you're not. So they had to go back to Jerusalem and say, hey, you know, we got a problem here. What are we going to do? Division. And, and so they come back, uh, Paul and Barnabas, and it says the, the synagogue or the gathering or multitude of the Jewish church, Jerusalem kept. Now that is a miracle for a whole church to be quiet. And, and they listened to Paul and Barnabas and they repeated, declaring how many miracles and wonders God worked through them among the Gentiles. So this is like astounding news to the Jewish people. The Gentiles? Putting the Gentiles. They have a conference and they have to figure out, okay, so this, this they say. In chapter 14, verse 1 at Ium, another town, it says, Great multitude, both of the Jews and Gentiles, believed. In chapter 14, verses 8, 9, and 10, 
They go to another city called Lystra. There's a man who's lame from his mother's womb. He's never walked. And Paul's preaching and he sees that the guy has faith and he doesn't even hands on him. He just tells him, get up and walk. And the guy jumps up and leaps up and walks. And a major miracle happens. So what happens? Some Judaizers come to Lystra and they stone Paul, throw rocks at him, think he's dead. They drag him out of the city and leave him for dead. And he gets back up and walks back into the city. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, you know. <laughs> I have eternal life. Praise God. But the man had been healed. A miracle, a tremendous miracle. If that doesn't get people's attention, I don't know what will. Hallelujah. So in Romans chapter 11, verse 18, Paul writes to the Romans, he says, I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentile. Paul's specific assigned Jesus go to the Gentiles. And in the end of the verse, he says, I magnify my ministry. According to Jameson Fawcett and Brown's uh, commentary in the King James Version, he uses the word glorify, which means to form an or an essence, and the honor result from a good opinion. It also means to extol or praise or ascribe honor to God, acknowledging God according to his attributes and action. God is in the business of saving people, of healing their souls, their broken spirits, and you and I have a part in that. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Let's go to the next slide. There we go. And so he says, I have not made it my aim to preach the gospel. Oh, I have made it my aim. Sorry. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, this is from Isaiah, and it's a paraphrase, to whom he was not announced, they shall see, and those who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, also, I have been much hindered from coming to you. This is an interesting statement here. I thought, what reason? What's he talking about? <clears throat> the reason is the cause. What's the cause? Preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Basically, he says, I was busy preaching. That's why I haven't come and seen you guys yet. I was busy in Romans chapter 1, verse 13. He says, I want you to know that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered till now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. How did the Christians get to Rome? How did the Jewish believers, the Messianic Jews, how did they get to Rome? I'm glad you asked. On the day of Pentecost, it says there were visitors from Rome in Jerusalem hearing Paul preach in their own language. And they were pricked to the heart. It says they were cut to the heart and said, what should we do? And Paul tells them what to do. Repent and be baptized and save yourselves from this crooked generation. And it goes on to say with many other words, he exhorted and encouraged them. So these were undoubtedly solid believers that went back to Rome. Hallelujah. Paul says, you know what? I want to come see you guys. I want to see more fruit added to the church. 
Hallelujah. He was much hindered because he was busy. There's an old uh, story about a carpenter. He's cutting a piece of wood and saws go, and he's cutting and cutting and sweating and sweating. And his buddy comes up and says, hey, why don't you stop and sharpen your saws? Can't you see I'm busy? Won't stop because he's busy. But we need to be busy the right way, not just cutting wood with a dull saw. We need to be busy about the kingdom. The least we could do is I love that saying, the kingdom of darkness trembles when the weakest Christian is on their knees. Hallelujah. Kingdom of hell, of hell, the kingdom of darkness trembles when the weakest Christian is on their knees. Hallelujah. How about when the strongest Christian's on their knees? Oh my God, there'll be an earthquake in hell. Hallelujah. Praise God. But now, he says, and here's one of the uh, places where Paul writes, now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but now, today. But now, no longer having a place or an appointment or an assignment. This is the Greek word topos, where we get topography from. Figuratively means a condition or an opportunity. Apparently, he's preached all he can preach, and there's no more opportunity where he's at. So he says, ah, I'm going to go where there's a new opportunity. I'm going to go check out Rome and see what we can do over there. He has no home where he's at. So he says, having no home or opportunity in these parts, you're not from around these parts, are you? No, I'm not, but I'm parting from these parts, he says. Having a great desire these many years. <clears throat> he's been busy for years. These many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. There is no record of him ever going to Spain, just as there's no record of Peter, the apostle, going to Rome. Enough said. And then he says, I hope to see you on my journey, to be helped on my way. <clears throat> I'm expecting some financial assistance from you since we're both believers and I've got business to do for the kingdom of God and you're part of the kingdom of God. And so uh, he's saying, <clears throat> you know, Think you guys can help me out? And of course, I believe they would have to be helped on my way there by you if first I may enjoy your company for a while. Not only is he going to pass through, this is his plan, but he's going to stay a while. Why would he stay a while? Because Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, anybody ever see that little uh, I with a period and an E next to it, I-E? When you're reading something, I-E? What that is is the Latin words id est, I-E, and it means that is. There's your Latin lesson for today. He says, um, to be helped, are uh, you on the way? Oh, that's Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 is in my notes, not up there, sorry. 
He says in verse 12, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established, that is, that you may be encouraged, or that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Sharing your faith with other believers is supposed to encourage you, supposed to build you up, and encourage both you and the person you're sharing your faith with. Let others and sisters with whatever stories God's got going on in your life. Say, man, we had the victory and the breakthrough in this area. We prayed for this or that. Or I heard about this or that, and God's on the move. Anybody ever see the Chronicles of Narnia by uh, um, C.S. Lewis? We had the whole series of books. I read almost all of them. And the lion, his name is Aslan, and he represents Jesus. And, and, uh, and you know, at the place is frozen over because we charge for everything. But things are starting to melt because Aslan is on the move. So whenever God begins to stir your heart, think of that phrase, Aslan is on the move. God's doing something. Every so often it seems like, where's God? Nothing's happening. But God, on the move. You watch. When you see something and you share it with somebody else, it will encourage them. God's on the move. Aslan is on the move. Then I like that. As he's walking on the beach, I say, oh, he's not a tame lion. <laughs> Jesus is Lord, not your best buddy. Amen. Praise God. And then, but now. And then he goes and says again, but now. I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For please those from Macedonia and Achaia, part of modern-day Greece and northern Greece, to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. Here's some people that they realized how much the Jewish people have given to the world with their Savior, with their one God, instead of multiple gods, with a God who loves them, praise God. And they said, in other words, they're saying, thank you. And they said, oh, 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 I got an idea. Let's do something tangible. Let's make it real. Let's get our wallets out. And they sent a gift. Paul was going to take it there. But notice what he says here. Please them indeed. They are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. There was a famine at one time uh, during these days. <clears throat> there was also lots of believers there. And there's still lots of believers there who need financial help. You can look it up if you want. If you have uh, the means to do so, that would bless people. <clears throat> And uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary in the Bible and the introduction to the letter to the Romans. This is a pretty long letter, 16 chapters. The church in Rome was mainly Gentiles. Some of them most likely were proselytes to Judaism. So they had a little bit of a uh, foundation. And uh, this is Paul's last trip he's going to make to Jerusalem not knowing <laughs> what's going to happen there. And uh, he, uh, excuse me, he wrote this letter from Corinth just before he left. 
And so he's going to take a gift there <clears throat> to Jerusalem. Therefore, he says, when I perform this and have sealed it to them or made sure that they got the money, this fruit, and this fruit is the um, expression and outpouring of the love of the believers in Rome and their appreciation for the church in Jerusalem. He says, then he says, I shall go by way of you to Spain. That was his plan, but how many know God doesn't always approve our plans? Sometimes God's plan is different than our plan. I have some plans, but I want to make sure that the plans that I'm thinking of are in God's will and uh, that I'm going in the right direction. Now, hopefully you'll have that same attitude. But I know, he says, when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Paul is confident that God is doing something. He knows he's got this uh, um, confidence. And he says in verse 29, I know. I know. There's a, he's confident. I know he was certain that he's going to visit Rome. <clears throat> he didn't quite get there the way he thought he was. In Acts chapter 28, verse 21, the Jews, when he got there, had heard no evil report about Paul, but wanted to hear from him about this, what was known or called a sect, the way. They wanted to know about what his opinion was, since they recognized that he was a Jewish scholar. <clears throat> and so some of them believed, some of them didn't. Some of them took to disputing with him. Oh, that can't be possible. They didn't believe. So in verse 28 in Acts chapter 28, Paul says, okay, the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Thank God. Paul was obedient to Jesus because we heard it. We who are not Jews are Gentiles. We heard it and we believed it. Praise God. Then, to the end here, back to this, one more verse. 15, 30 to 32. Here he says, now, Again, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but now. I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Who had that happen? <laughs> and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers for me that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Paul was concerned that the Jewish believers there in Jerusalem might not want to take this gift because it's from the Gentiles and they're kind of unclean. But Paul knew otherwise. And he said, you know what? We already know there's contention and strife in the church here and there. Pray with me that this works out okay. How many know sometimes we need to ask other people to pray? Pray with me. I've got an idea from God. This is what I believe God wants me to do. Pray with me to make sure that it's going to work out okay. That's good advice. Can you say amen? Praise God. Then he says, also, I know that I've got enemies there 
So pray that I am delivered from those in Judea who do not believe for disobedience and that my service of this offering that we're going to bring may be acceptable to the saints, <clears throat> that I may come to you with joy by the will of God. And then he goes on, what does he say here? Oh, we did get verse 33 in. That I may be delivered from those in Judea who are disobedient to the gospel, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Coming to church is supposed to refresh you. I so appreciate the song service this morning because I just felt the peace of God as we were worshiping God this morning. It wasn't loud. It wasn't flamboyant. It wasn't spectacular. No light show or nothing. I felt the peace of God as we were worshiping this morning. And that's precious. Then here's that word again. Now, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Praise God. Peace, first of all, reconciliation to God through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Secondly, peace, which that reconciliation diffuses among the partakers. And third, that peace which the children of God are called and privileged to diffuse far and wide throughout the sin-distracted and divided world. Wherever you go, God goes with you. You can have peace in the midst of turmoil. And the Bible says that our presence sometimes is a sweet-smelling odor to those that are lost. I remember somebody telling me about someone. In fact, it was my mother-in-law told my wife, you know your mom, she, her mom was in hospice. Your mom has such a sweet spirit about her. Praise God. I'm glad they could see that. And we're called to love God, love people, and tell them about Jesus. So, praise God. Thank you for listening. This has been a privilege for me to speak again. I will be speaking again next week. And with that, let's close in prayer.